Oh, it's great to see all the beautiful people in one place at the same time. Can I just say it's our privilege as a church to have you guys with us from Teen Challenge. Uh, Come on, let's encourage them for being with us tonight. Uh, Absolute joy. And you're in fine voice as well. And I think me and Adrian need to do a bit of work on scrubbing ourselves up. You guys look so smart. Brilliant. I think I wear tight weddings and funerals. That's about it. But I perhaps need to dig one out and dust it off. It's great to be in God's house today, isn't it? What an incredible morning we had celebrating with those getting baptized, raised up to new life. And here we are tonight. And if, if we can't get excited in church about the resurrection of Jesus, I don't know where we can get excited about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I was sharing with our young people this week a story that was in the news a couple of weeks ago of a guy called uh, James Harrison, 74 years old, lives in Australia. And James Harrison discovered that quite a young age that he'd got a, an antibody in his blood. He'd got a rare type of blood that had an antibody in uh, that could help babies that had the rhesus disease. For, for something like 56 years, he is given pints and pints of blood. In fact, over a 1,000 pints of blood. And, and the incredible thing is, this one man, with all the blood that is given, has saved 2.2 million babies' lives from that disease. That, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? But I will tell you something that is far more incredible. That one man, 2,000 years ago, shed his own blood on a cross to save our lives across the earth throughout history once and for all. And he saved millions of people's lives. And he's still continuing to save millions of people's lives. He gave every pint of his blood because he loves each one of us. And that's an incredible thing. That is our saviour, Jesus Christ. And I am excited and worn out about that because... I love him so much. Wow. If you've got your Bibles with you, you might want to turn to them. And I'm going to share a few thoughts about Jesus' resurrection. And we're going to begin worshipping together on the back of that. Wow. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And there's some verses in the Bible that just sum up what you're trying to say. And Paul just nails it in this part of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 1 to 9. And I'm going to have a sip of this water while you're finding it. Oh, that's perfect. This is what Paul wrote then. Let let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. This is marvellous. I passed on to you what was most important. Everyone say, most important. And what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried And he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter. And then by the twelve. After that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are still alive. Though some have died. Then he was seen by James. And later by all the apostles. Last of all. As though I had been born at the wrong time. That's great that. As though I had been born at the wrong time. I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Wow, 
wow, wow. The most important news, good news of Jesus Christ. And my first experience of death was at six years old. Uh, my goldfish, uh, my pet goldfish, small fry. I'd come back from a hard day at primary school painting pictures for my mum and dad. Uh, to, to my mum and dad greeted me at the door to say, Andrew, can you sit on the bottom step? I thought, oh, what have I been naughty for this time? They said, we wanted to tell you something. Your pet goldfish has died. Loving the sympathy tonight. That is marvellous. Small fry. A great name as well, isn't it? Small fry. Um, and I sobbed my little heart out for days and days. Uh, and uh, my dad probably didn't make it any better. I don't think my dad gave a... a, a an appropriate tribute to my great goldfish by flushing it down the loo. But, but nonetheless, I missed my, my uh, goldfish. Uh, and since then, like many of us, I've experienced the loss and grief of losing friends and family. And uh, listen, church, the grief and the loss and the pain of losing someone is a very real experience for many of us in this place tonight. And Jesus' disciples must have been experiencing that for themselves on this day. They experienced the agony of the death of a man they loved so much and followed for three years of their life. It was a very real thing for these men and women who followed Jesus to lose him and to grieve for him. But imagine how it must have felt in that moment when it was all turned around. I don't know if you, if you heard the news uh, last month, but there was a man uh, who was called Walter Williams who lived in Mississippi in America uh, who um, was um, 78 years old and he was actually declared dead. He had no pulse. The color had drained from his body. He was pronounced dead and placed in a body bag. And the coroner took his lifeless um, body to the embalming room and... Uh, while the body, the lifeless, dead body of Walter Matthews was there in the body bag, the coroner noticed something that was very significant. The body bag started to twitch. And then he heard like, it was almost a heavy breathing noise from within the body bag. And then he noticed that the body bag was, it was kicking. And this was incredible. Walter had come back to life. That's incredible. And uh, this, this guy, this coroner who had 12 years experience in, uh, reported to the news that were all over this in America. He, he said, they were in shock. I was in shock. I think everybody in the hospital was in shock. The bottom line is this. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. You see, I, I even believe now that Jesus is still in the business of raising the dead. And that could not be put any other way than it would have been a miracle. I was in America last month. Imagine the shock of the disciples discovering that Jesus was alive. And yes, he was really dead before. That the Romans weren't just novices at this. That they, they were experts at execution. And whatever the rumors were that they were circulating and all the excuses of the religious leaders that they made that day, Jesus really died and was really placed in a tomb. Pilate. At the request of the leading priests, placed a guard at the tomb. And this, this wasn't just a single guard that was there that a few angry disciples could overcome. No, it wasn't. It was likely to have been a praetorium guard. 
uh, that maybe consisted of around 16 soldiers uh, for rotational duty with no less than 10 years combat training. These weren't just novices that were guarding the tomb on that day. The tomb was sealed uh, with a seal of Caesar. And you know what? The penalty for breaking the seal was death. If the guard was caught napping, they'd be stripped of the uniform. And historically, they would be burnt at the stake in civilian clothes. It was a complete dishonor to be napping asleep on the job. And, And that's why this was such a big deal. This was why it took such a big bribe from the religious leaders to try and keep this hush-hush. But 2,000 years on, this is not hush-hush. And and you know what? If the disciples were going to steal the body of Jesus to make a point, they weren't making it very easy for themselves, were they? You see, the Pharisees wanted Jesus dead. The guards wanted to make sure that he was dead. Pilate sought confirmation that he was dead. Then the Pharisees tried to prove that he was dead. Joseph of Arimathea sought to honor his death. Nicodemus followed the Jewish custom of the dead. The women wanted to anoint his body that was dead. The priests wanted to make sure that he stayed dead. But the angel triumphantly declared, He is risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And you know what? Tonight, I don't have to preach my own sermon. I'm going to borrow one from the angel that that he used that day. Three things that I just want to quickly point out. That the angel gave gave an incredible sermon on that day where they discovered the empty tomb. The first thing is this. In Luke chapter 24, verse 6. This is what the angel said. He said, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. You see, the empty tomb was never meant to be a shrine It was meant to be a statement. Never meant to be a shrine. Meant to be a statement. Thank God, 2,000 years on, there is still a statement being made over an empty tomb. What a great first point for an angel to make in his sermon. Second thing, we read in John chapter 20, verse 13. He said this, dear woman, why are you crying? You see, the empty tomb was never meant to be a place to mourn at, but but to discover joy at. We read, and we read it this morning, that they were filled with great joy. It's not a place of mourning. Today is not a day of mourning, but a day to discover great joy in the empty tomb. Oh, he's good, this angel. He's a good preacher. Third thing, in Matthew 28, verse 7, the angel said this, And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. See, the empty tomb was never meant to be a place to stay at, but a place to go from. A place to go from. Wow. Oh, I'm getting excited about this. What an incredible sermon from the angel at the empty tomb that day. I can't better those words. But I want to challenge us and encourage us. You know, are we living out the statement that he is risen? That the tomb was empty? Are we mourning? Still mourning? Or have we discovered the joy of salvation through Jesus Christ? Have we took hold of that message for our own lives? And rather than camping at the empty tomb, that actually it's a message we're carrying out to the world. We're going from. Wow. It was a wise guy a number of years ago. It was a smart guy because he'd got professor at the start of his name. Professor Wolf Hart Pannenberg. And he once wrote this. The evidence for Jesus' resurrection is so strong 
that nobody would question it except for two things. First, it's a very unusual event. I'd go with that. So, in fact, it was one off, one off, wasn't it? And second, if you believe it happened, you have to change the way you live. Wow. So you see, for us tonight, church, the question is about Easter isn't, is he alive? The question is, what will you do with him? And, and if Jesus really died and really came back to life, what does that mean for you? What, what does it mean to you that God sent his one and only son into the world to show his incredible love and to save the world? What does that mean for you? What, what does it mean to you that tonight Jesus is reaching out to us, offering forgiveness? What, what does it mean to you that Jesus overcame death and the grave to bring us new life? What, what does all that mean to you and to me tonight? Because Jesus offers, offers a, is a hope that is real. He, he offers us a, a promise of new life and he is faithful to his word. I remember hearing a few years ago about a man that tried to create a new life for himself. He tried to create a fresh start in his own life, life, but he lived a a false hope that that would actually happen. This man's name was Raymond Martinet. And he and his wife founded the chirogenics movement where they froze dead bodies in the hope that one day science would catch up and bring them back to life. And he spent, invested all his money, all his time, and all his energy to make this happen. And he built these incredible freezers in a chateau somewhere in France that was to keep his wife's body as she died first. And then, this this is so sad, that he used to open up the, the freezer section of this chateau. And people used to come and pay and have a look because he needed the money to maintain his project. And uh, later down the line, a few years back, he, he himself died and was placed in these freezers. And one of the last things he did was make his son promise that his son would maintain the project that he would started in the hope that one day it'd be raised to life through science. And it was in 2006, the freezers where the bodies were stored in actually uh, broke down. The generators that were to kick in after the, the electricity had been cut off also broke down. It was a point where their son had gone away on holiday and discovered that their bodies had thawed out. Hor- horrendous story. But that, and they had to be sadly cremated. But this, this is incredible. That they tried everything in their power with their money, with their time, with their energy. They placed all their hope in something that wasn't real. They made their son keep a promise that he couldn't actually keep in a hope for a new life and a fresh start for them. That's an awful lot of effort, an awful lot of responsibility placed on one son. But we read in the Bible that actually the incredible responsibility of the Son of God has made a way. And in his grace, he offers us new life and new hope and a promise that is fulfilled and kept. That day, some 2,000 years ago, Hope rose up in a place where there's hopelessness. A place of death. A place that speaks of the end, of no way out. It was a graveyard. That day, it wasn't the end. It was the beginning of something new. And whilst on the cross, there was a declaration of, 
it is finished. That was a full stop to sin. And Jesus' resurrection was a way into a new life. And I want to encourage us tonight that in the darkest, gloomiest, most hopeless place where it seems that there is no way out for us, Christ is risen. And he is your hope. And I want to encourage you to come to him tonight because the the empty tomb is a place to, to discover joy at. And if he can break free from a tomb that's sealed up with a royal Caesar's seal, if he can break free from that huge stone that was placed in front of his tomb, he can bring freedom to our lives too. Church, let's pray. And I'm going to invite the band to come back as well. Lord Jesus Christ, we take hold of the message that day brought by your holy angel that he carried to that empty tomb. That he is not dead. He is risen. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that that is a message that continues through history. Thank you that your precious blood has made a way for us. Thank you that we've not got to work anything up ourselves. We've just got to embrace what you've done for us, Jesus. I pray that tonight there won't be a single person that doesn't experience your incredible love and forgiveness in their own life. We just want to open ourselves up to you. Say, have your way. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Pray through the power of your Holy Spirit now. You're just working our hearts. Remove the blockages. Remove the stones. Break the seal of negative words that have been spoken over us to bring freedom into our lives tonight. In Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus. You are so precious. Still changing lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you reach into those gloomy, dark, death-stinking places and bring hope and life. Lord, we just reach out to you tonight and embrace that. In your precious name. In your precious name. Maybe tonight you have never taken hold of the truth of that message that we read earlier from Paul, that Christ died. He rose to life to fulfill the scriptures about Jesus and that he tonight, even tonight, offers us new life. And tonight I want to encourage you, if you've not made that decision in your own life, just to respond to Jesus. He's not asking you to work something up, to come to him perfect, to have your life sorted out, to try and get new life by doing something off your own back. He's just asking that you accept what he has done for you. So I would encourage you, if you've come with someone that knows and loves Jesus in their own life, to talk to them. Or maybe to talk to Adrian or myself. or Just to make it known tonight that tonight you want to start that incredible new life with Jesus that he offers you. Jesus it's not the end it's finished it is finished but it's not the end it's a new start with Jesus church can I invite you to stand to your feet we're going to declare God's goodness once again Jesus Jesus
just can we just raise our hands towards heaven and just begin to thank Jesus in our own words for all that he's done thank you Jesus thank you Jesus by your blood Lord Jesus you've set us free come on church let's raise our voices tonight in adoration of Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus we love you Jesus Oh, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Let's press in. Press in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, begin to thank him for the new hope you have in your life. That he overcame by his blood. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Speak freedom in this place tonight. That you've set us free, Lord Jesus. You've set us free. You've made us whole. Thank you for your mercy and your love and your grace in our lives, Lord Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's power in your blood, Lord Jesus. you be free from your birth? Come on, church, let's declare this tonight. Yes, Jesus. Would you be washed? Would you be washed? Much wider than. 